and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. I am Illegal86. I am joined, as always, by my fantastic podcast pals, Tactic and Nerd Bomber. What makes a person a good podcast pal? Um, Presence. We make each other giggle. And I like Tactic stuck with the P's, which I really appreciated. Presence. Well, it was also multifaceted, too, because presence means both that we're here and we're ready to podcast and that we provide gifts yeah we give each other presents here's uh, some some inside the podcast for all the listeners out there inside the podcast i now in my house as i live and breathe at this moment i have my christmas gifts for tactic and nerd bomber still wrapped by the way not open i also have their christmas gifts for me still wrapped and not opened and now i also have birthday gifts wrapped and unopened there's going to be because of various circumstances in life we have not done our gift exchange yet, which uh, it's going to be a gift apocalypse next time I see you guys. It's just, it, purportedly, it's going to be very soon. Gift, but it's also like it's kind of nice. Have you had this thought, or is this just me? It's kind of like Christmas is over, giftage happened, Nerd Bomber's birthday has come and gone, giftage happened for her, and so now it's all like I know that they're there, but I'm like, ah, gifts. My gift life is over. You're the reason, and now it's going to start again. You're the reason that we've waited to put away our inside decorations. It's, it's, I don't think it's that's so true. that it sets the vibe. Yep, it's 100% your fault. I accept responsibility. I'm I'm happy to bring you bring you joy for longer. I just I think it's cool like I guess I well, I guess Valentine's Day is kind of a gift occasion and that's coming up. Do you guys exchange gifts on Valentine's Day? Yeah, but we don't get to exchange them with you. We Not yet. we usually just give each other <laughs> chocolates. Got to love those chocolates and smooches. Ew, right. Come on, keep this PG, man. Come on, this is a family show. My my wife and I do this thing where every year it's like it's there's no set thing for us. We're like so. For example, this year we were out in early January shopping, and I uh, wanted to. I was like, I tried this piece of clothing on that was really nice, but it was also a little bit expensive. And I was like, I don't. It's too much money. I don't want it. And she was like, This would it'll just be your Valentine's Day gift this year. And I was like, Okay. So then, so now, like, so I'm getting her something, but like. There have also been years we haven't done gifts. There have been years we have done gifts where like one of us did a gift, the other one didn't because we were like, the rules aren't set up right. So if anything, it's like, it's, it makes it more interesting. So that's a gift giving occasion, but it's going to be nice. Like end of January going into February, you're just like, it's like the doldrums of winter and then like, oh, gifts. So I'm looking forward to that. The gifts are all safe. I have them in a special place, but uh, it's yeah. Presents, like you said. It's one of the best things about being podcast pals. Uh, but there's a lot of other good things. Like Nerbomber, you said making making each other giggle, which we just did for like an hour before this started. That's another thing that I think we've mentioned before. But like on any given episode, before we start recording the episode, we spend like an hour getting loose. Yeah, we don't get right down to binit. Yeah. So when, while you're hearing us now, you might occasionally think like, oh, they just like, they just show up and blast right into it. No, you got to, you know, conversationally lubricate beforehand. Which we were just doing. You're making it and sound I'm, so gross. Yeah, they don't just start blasting. They they lube up. <laughs> yeah, I regret the terminology, but I don't regret the, the point of what I was trying to say. We have some great topics today, though. We're going to be kind of going gaming, going television, and going something else, I, I guess. well, Gaming, kind of. Gaming adjacent. I tried to think about something else, like, and I just, it's just Pokemon. So we'll, we'll get into all those things. I also want to preface and say that we are recording this. Uh, on a Sunday. And as a result, we have not seen Last of Us Episode 3 yet. So there's not going to be any... Last week, we did like a two-episode breakdown and like got, went to Spoiler Town. You turned your volume down. It, it might have been annoying for you. Hopefully not. But this week, none of that's happening because we haven't watched yet. I'm very excited. 
it did though and this isn't one of our topics but it did just get renewed for season two like yesterday so that's very exciting i think for all of it i mean in particular for me but it's exciting for all of us because we all are enjoying the show so far so it's like a sunday staple now it's great yeah i cannot wait it is like and hbo does this and like obviously i wasn't super into the game of thrones i think sunday at at 9 p.m eastern is like that's a great time slot it's like the like back in the old days i'm told they used to do like sunday dinner of like get the whole family together and like have a special dinner on sunday it's kind of like that so you're saying you're gonna have us over for the season finale i I didn't have the plan to do that but let's do it season finale party love it yeah and for for a pre-episode meal we'll eat something last of us themed fungus Fungus. (laughs) (laughs) i just just a just a bunch of mushrooms Especially after this show, I think I will pass, but uh, yeah. I'll like make a Last of Us cake or something. I don't know. We'll figure something out. But uh, yeah, so we're not going to be talking about Last of Us any more than we just did. But uh, we are going to be talking a little bit about another video game television series adaptation. I want to lead off with that topic as a kind of a kind of mini segue here. First of all, let me ask, because I will say my wife and I, like two years ago, I think, right when it was like winning a bunch of awards, we were like, we're going to try watching Fleabag. And I think we watched one episode. We maybe not didn't give it enough a chance, but we watched one episode and we were like, that was that was terrible. Like it was actively we didn't like it. It wasn't even just that like we didn't think it was that good. It was like we didn't like it, so we stopped. Have you guys tried watching Fleabag at all? No. I think we maybe thought about it once, but then we watched a trailer for it and we're like, this doesn't look super compelling. But it has, like you said, it won a ton of awards. So maybe it's one of those things where you have to get into it a few episodes and then it's like, oh, hey, I'm actually good. Yeah, it's entirely possible. I don't really have aspirations to go back to try watching it again but um where i'm where i'm going with this is phoebe waller bridge who again won a bunch of awards for that show because she was the main player on that show and i believe she wrote all the show as well she is signing on to i believe write a tomb raider television series for amazon so this is the latest and we've talked about this a lot in the last few weeks on this show in light of maybe what the last of us has done and what some successful movie adaptations have done the video game adaptation market is a buzz right now there's a lot going on. We talked about Fallout before. There's at least one other one I'm not thinking of right now. But God there have been War, a fair few. Horizon. God of War. Thank you. So there's a fair few that are kind of have entered the pipeline. And this is just the latest one. Kind of the reason I wanted to talk about this. So Tomb Raider, obviously, there were a bunch of movies back in like the early aughts and late 90s, I think, with, with um, Angelina Jolie. And those were, you know... I, I think emblematic of the time, they were like kind of cheesy action movies. I, I don't know if I've ever seen them all the way through. I think they were decently good. I don't really know. But the angle being taken here, where they're having Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who, you know, at least ostensibly is a comedy writer, taking on Tomb Raider, I'm I'm immediately... I, alarmed is a strong word, but I don't like it. So I and, just I just yeah. did a quick IMDB itch because I didn't realize that she did anything other than Fleabag. And apparently she was one of the screenplay writers for No Time to Die and wrote 16 episodes for Killing Eve in addition to Fleabag. Which, you know, so I, does I don't that, think I saw No Time to Die. I did not. No Time to Die, was, it was pretty good. Does I'm that like make you feel her. a little bit better about that? A little bit. I don't know. I guess like, see, I don't feel like this isn't like an Uncharted situation where like I've played Tomb Raider in particular. I think I played a lot of the new like when I first got an Xbox One and that was like one of the release titles and it was really good. I haven't played any of the older games. So like I am not beholden to this franchise. I don't have a whole lot of skin in the game here. To a large extent, they can do what they want. But I don't I just I, I guess I'm confused a little bit about 
her involvement. No Time to Die wasn't funny at all, though. As I think, like, in fact, it was very unfunny. Like, I don't remember a single joke from No Time to Die. So maybe she just, you know, she happens to be known for that. But like you said, she's she's kind of cut her teeth in other areas. And, and I mean, so the latest thing she's doing also to provide more context is she is playing a character in the latest Indiana Jones movie. That's true. I don't know if there's any connection there of like she did that and she was like, this is a cool genre. I want I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but it does, I guess, provide a little bit more more breadth and, and, and scale to this. She was apparently also in Solo. Now we're just IMDb surfing on air a little bit, but she was apparently in Solo as well. Yeah, that I also did not know. I don't dis- I don't dislike her at all. I'm just like, I'm I'm wondering, I like the idea of a treasure hunting show, so I want this to succeed. Me personally, I'm not nervous about what she's going to do with Tomb Raider. I've just always thought that the Tomb Raider IP was perfect for movie sets and not so much series. I think it being in the series, it prides itself on the the action scenes and the very little buildup between them. Having it in a series is going to cause long, drawn-out buildup and climatic events occurring, which might be good, but I think I just think the Tomb Raider... It just it needs to be a short series or or just better just leave it to the movies. That's the main thing that gets me nervous is I don't know if that IP is is good for episodic adventures. I get that from like a a budgetary standpoint because like I know we have now these like sweeping epics and like The Last of Us probably has a massive budget because of all of the cinematography and set work that they have to do. But like I feel like like you said, there's a lot of action scenes in a lot of Tomb Raider stuff. That's what makes Tomb Raider a spectacle. And yeah, I wonder how that will work in longer form. I think I'm going to disagree. Like I, I consider the Mandalorian because 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 for me that's currently and we talked about the Mandalorian at length last week, so I won't talk. The about Mandalorian much here, like, worked because those were standalone episodic adventures. I think. And why can't Tomb Raider have that? Because the Mandalorian's episodic adventures were never sort of the same scope and size that the Tomb Raiders adventures were they're always much much larger on the grand scale i don't you dare respond with well hey the mandalorian takes place in a galaxy far far no i get it that it is a galaxy but the scope is still never the full galaxy it's always this small little town type cowboy western that's what it always was that's what it's good at and that's why it worked this is not your little town that the tomb raider sure in. i just i don't know i could easily see the tomb raider series being okay this episode she raids a tomb she finds something that's interesting in this next episode she's like in a town where she helps the townspeople with some problem like i i feel like it would not be hard to make lara croft a, a more multifaceted character who is not just like shooting folks robbing tombs and like doing crazy set pieces with that said you know i think a major piece of evidence for you is it does it hasn't really been done before i can't think of a successful treasure hunting show that has ever like been on the air for a particularly long time so uh, it i think may if be... you go into like sci-fi but like that that's a whole nother category like would you consider some of the sci-fi Firefly. shows yeah like would you consider Firefly that is also kind of close like it's they're, they're not treasure hunting but they're going on they're essentially going on missions to make money, which really is kind of what treasure hunting is, if you think yeah. about it. You know, they're going to different places, they're getting into these sorts of tussles, and then they're coming away, hopefully, with some kind of reward. But it's not always like that, you know? And and the other and thing about that is like... I don't know if I would like, call that, like, big scale. Because, I mean, that was only on for, right. what, two seasons? And I know there's stuff I'm like, not even sure it made it through two. I think it might have just been one. And there's was, a lot of people who have an issue with that, but... There was a uh, another show where they were, like, mystical librarians, and they had to go find treasures that 
they would then lock up in their library of mystical, dangerous items. And I can't remember the name of the show offhand, but I feel like it was on. I think for it a was while. just called. I think it was just called The Librarians. Was it? I'll, I'll give it a quick Google. But again, like that sort of show, like I wouldn't necessarily call it like a gangbuster. Everybody had to watch it all the time. Like it was one of those more like if you were nerdy, you watched it, and that was pretty much it. Where I feel like Tomb Raider, you're trying to reach a broader audience just because because it got the Angelina Jolie treatment. I feel like it has a, a bigger footprint and just place in people's brains. Well, so something else we haven't mentioned as kind of part of the... And it, this show was called The Librarians, by the way. It was on for four years from 2014 to 2018. So it, it had a reasonably successful run. The one thing we're not really talking about with respect to the Tomb Raider kind of mythology is there was a movie in 2018 that uh, Alicia Vikander was... Warcraft and it did bad i think i didn't watch it uh, i i can say that much yeah 2018 action adventure blah 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 and a sequel was initially in development but was canceled because essentially i think the first one did pretty bad so it's interesting that they're going back that soon and granted in a different format but i don't know there's there's a lot of questions swirling here i don't want to i don't want to poo poo this cuz again i would love for this to, to succeed if only so i could get my treasure hunting fix in a way that is not the latest uncharted movie which i did not like so and we'll also, see. like, I want to see more things buck the trend of, you know, video game adaptations being cursed. I want more good video game adaptations because I think there's so many good stories to mine. I, th- I think what we need to do is we need to establish a streak, right? It can't just be like, oh, The Last of Us is really good. So let's put out more video game content. It needs to be The Last of Us was good and then Fallout was really good. And so, you know, bring on more and more of this. I, th- I think you're totally right about that. Where there's, There needs to be a trend. It seems like we may be moving towards that if these things can get off the ground and, and be successful. But obviously this one, no release date in place. This is very early going. So we don't know a whole lot other than that it's it's happening and it's just the latest to happen it it seems like amazon in particular is really buying into this whether that's good relative to like netflix being involved i really couldn't say i I will say like netflix seems to always be in the news these days for like oh they canceled the show after one season and gave it like zero chance even though the ratings were good i don't know if you guys see those tweets but yeah all the time well i mean they do every year it feels like they give a show one season and if it doesn't get as much traction as they want and we don't even know what the metrics that they're comparing these shows against are right they just can them and these are a lot of shows like obviously they have big followings enough where it becomes trending on twitter like hey netflix bring back the show and i think Netflix is just churning through so many different shows and not giving them a fair shake that it makes me feel better to see stuff on your HBOs, your Amazons, because you know it might get more HBO than a shot. also has a Yeah, HBO that, is going through something right now. But I mean, yeah. that's more HBO Max. I think HBO Core, like that Sunday night slot, yeah. like that's where their Game of Thrones originally was. And I think wasn't Succession on Sunday nights. And like, I think uh, that's yeah, where the they... flagship content. Yeah, I think yeah. if you have a flagship show in that Sunday night slot, you're okay. And that's what I want to see. Yeah, and, and certainly, you know, Succession, The Last of Us, like these shows are not in any grave danger as far as I'm concerned. It's, it's more so, like you said, stuff on HBO Max and, and Netflix. Like, I think what I see a lot of, and one of the first examples was a show way back that I didn't watch, but I was actually kind of interested called Sense8. Oh, yeah. It got canceled. It got canceled, like, right in the middle of its run, and they, like, it ended on a cliffhanger, and Netflix was, like, they tweeted a bunch of stuff. I was just reading about this recently. They tweeted a bunch of stuff, like, don't worry, we'll make this right. We'll get people closure. And then they never did. And there's, like, so many shows now that are just being abruptly canceled, and with the release schedules of streaming being what they are, like... It's going to give you a lot of that. We're like, oh, we ended things on a really weird note, but like, it's over now and sorry and goodbye. I feel like that's Amazon. Than I haven't like, heard as much with. Yeah, Amazon that, usually so. like they stick them out, but you know, it's it is different. It's a really interesting point, like with streaming, because 
stuff comes out monthly. It's not like traditional television where there were seasons of things. And then like you kind of knew after that one season, like things are going to either get canceled or renewed. And you knew right basically then that should like, should I expect the show to be back now with streaming? I feel like there's so many different things releasing and they're all on different timescales and things go years between seasons. Sometimes it's very just strange to be a viewer right now not knowing if your show is going to come back not knowing when it'll come back it's just it's very strange times for sure so yeah we'll we'll see you know what the implication is of this show being on amazon and and when it comes out and and when we hear more obviously but right now we know next to nothing it's just a you know it's fun to talk about we're we're on a podcast so yeah we'll we'll move on for now to pokemon you got you all know pokemon Hey, Jamal Williams would be very upset with you right now. I did see that. That was pretty funny. Don't you do Pokemon like that. (laughs) Shout out to Jamal Williams, Detroit Lions running back, who had a very good year. So, Tectic, tell me about Kadabra. I believe we've talked about this on the show before. We have. We talked about Pokemon. We talked about it when when we talked about. I feel like when we talk about Pokemon on this show a lot of the time it's this kind of thing where it's like pokemon's an illegal battle and you're like oh like i, I again not i have a gym no battle can, illegal no not a not a gym battle i wish we had a really a video version of the podcast we pop gym battles up on the screen right now our fantastic character created by nerd bomber which is just jim helbert in a wearing a pokemon hat <laughs> but yeah no it, it, uh, we talked about this originally on the show i have no part in the pokemon ecosystem essentially but even i remember from like my initial pokemon snap days I think I think Kadabra was in the original Pokemon Snap. This is like an OG Pokemon. Not only was part, part of the 151. original 151, but he was part of my top six when I fought the Elite Four. Well, it was Alakazam, but he had to had to evolve from a Kadabra at some point. Right. So for those who don't remember, this there was a legal battle with magician Yuri Geller, who basically said this card was made in his likeness. Because he had uh, spoons. Again, we, well, also right. because the Japanese name for the Pokemon sounded very similar to his name. Yeah, y- Youngerer. Yeah. So what's interesting about this, I think, is Yuri Geller is happy about this being over. Like, I, I don't know. At one point, there was a lawsuit. And now he, it's almost like he's like, thank God this whole thing is over. I'm glad everyone gets Kadabra back. And he's essentially saying, and actually says in his statement, forgive me for doing this. What I like, too, which I think is interesting. Part of the statement, too, was like he said his granddaughter helped him find the light and how like it was basically taking this beloved character away from a lot of kids. And I think that's really neat. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't know, I, I this is almost like when you've watched Unsolved Mysteries and at the end they're like, oh, we wound up solving something. This is kind of like a throwback to a previous topic that we've discussed where like, I think the resolution is, is pretty good, right? <laughs> it seems like everything has gone over amicably and I'm sure everyone's happy that yeah. Dapper is back. Tactic, I don't know what else you have to add. Well, I wanted, the reason why I wanted to talk about this story is because we covered it in 20, I believe it was 2020. And we were ultimately just shitting on the fact that this was even a thing because it was doing exactly that. It was just, honestly, like, I get he cares about his image, but like, it's not tarnishing him. He's a beloved character. Just leave it. And like, he really just came off like a pardon my french but like an asshole and well the, fact- the thing the thing about it yeah the thing about it's interesting is like if it was like you know beyonce being like you use my likeness for a card that i would almost understand more this is a magician that i would say 99 percent of pokemon fans probably don't know that he exists but here's so the like, other thing even if it was beyonce i like i would be flattered like Honestly, kids don't make those connections. They're not like, oh, I like this Pokemon because it's Beyonce. And honestly, there is a Queen Bee Pokemon 
It's, it looks nothing like Beyonce, but I'm just saying. Well, the interesting thing too, and I even when I, we first talked about this, I can't remember if I brought this up, but like I know there's parody laws where as long as it's not an exact replica, if you can claim that it's like right. enough of a parody, and like this is very obviously right. like it's not even a human, you know, like this is a a Pokemon. It's a yeah, I don't yeah, know what... <laughs> like it is a creature that is not a human, and like I get the whole magic thing, but I don't know. It seemed a little bit far fetched. I agree see that it, it there, should be. I'm, yeah, yeah. I, I, I did Pokemon. see what you did there. <laughs> I yeah. I think like it's the whole thing is a very weird story, and I think I agree that like if it was me in his position, I'd probably be like, oh, that's really cool. Like, I, yeah, and they did that. Flattered. Like, that's what that's what they made Quaxley. Not not that it's exactly a parody thing, but like I know, and we've talked about Weird Al on this show before. Of like, there are artists, musical artists, who when Weird Al parodied them, they were like. It, it was considered like a badge of honor it was like that's when you knew you'd made it right like and this is not obviously not the same thing but like as a magician who like don't get me wrong i love magic by the way i'm not shitting on magicians I, that's the last thing i would want to do but like for a magician who like probably the average 12 year old kid they're is not, not gonna know who he is like it's, it, it's, it's not it's, that you're shitting on them it's they're not in the same level of limelight as say musicians and athletes and things like that so if anything, yeah. Pokemon is really giving them the exposure that they would have wanted otherwise. I do wonder, yeah, it kind of leads me to wonder, like, are there kids who, like, look at, like, the Psy Pokemon and are, like, and, like, a magician, quote-unquote, character like, you know, Kadabra and be like, ah, oh, this makes me interested in magic, and then they go and learn about, like, magicians. Like, I don't Honestly, know if there's any potency so, to, like, that gateway, but, I like, think, it's yes. interesting. So, as a kid, my favorite Pokemon, and still is to this day, is Dragonite, and liking dragonite and like that moved me into liking just dragon type pokemon in general which then i started drawing all my own dragons in as like 3d sketches and that got me like really passionate into like various like kings and and like dungeon and dragons mythos and all that it, it all kind of like went forward so i wouldn't say that it's a stretch for a kid to like a magic themed pokemon and then go into like wow magic is cool and honestly magic is cool i magic mean i so cool. i really like pikachu and now i harness thunder so here we are she collects yeah, I've rats seen it. <laughs> I've, I, I've i've seen her do both of those things no yeah i i, I and yeah and magic is the coolest I sometimes I will just and it's it's a big time sink. I'm not recommending anyone do this, but like I will go on YouTube and just like watch cool magic acts, like the te like Penn and Teller fool us, where the whole show is like they're trying to do a magic act for Penn and Teller and hope that they can't figure it out. And it's the coolest freaking thing in the world. Shout out to magic. I just like magic a lot, not the card game. Although I'm sure that's also fine. I'm talking about like legit magic. I made my own magic cards too. I was very creative as a kid. Tactic was very creative as a kid. That's the takeaway we want you to have from this story. But yeah, I mean, I, again, the outcome here is nothing but positive in my eyes. I do. Downside think is the value of your cadaver cards are going to go down anymore. They're no longer the last ones in existence. So, so how it worked, I assume, was Kadabra the middle phase of an evolution thing? Yeah, it's so like Abra kind of evolves out. into Kadabra, who evolves into Alakazam. And the side part about that is in, like, decks that you're, like, battling with, in order to use Alakazam, you had to evolve it from a Kadabra. So, like, that basically took the whole line out as far as being useful in, okay, that's, in battle. Yeah, that's kind of what I was in, interested in, in learning about. So, that yeah, that's that's very interesting. Well... That wine is going to be useful again, which I think is pretty cool. I was still able to do it because I'm old. He is. I can confirm that. All of us are. Yeah, no no further details. I don't want to say how old I am, but we're, we're old. Probably older than you think. Do you, how, do you, how old do you think people are? 
sorry how old do you think people <laughs> think we are <laughs> that's a really d- deep question i just asked i think people how are old, very old <laughs> how <laughs> on balance people are old i actually read today i think, I average, think people will probably American think like that 40 we're years old i think people think we're younger than we are because all the times we were talking about playing video games but really we just have free time <laughs> you know what at online warriors one is our main show account at ow elite six is my account at ow tactic at ow nerd bomber tweet at how old do you think we are i'm legitimately curious about that and also i guess like are you excited that cadaver's coming back but that's that's secondary i really want to know how old you think that i am yeah you might be right they might think that i'm younger than i am which would be fine with me and also older would be fine whatever think what you want we're gonna take a break now we're gonna come back later and talk a little bit about the xbox and bethesda developer direct that happened uh, last week but before we do that before we take a break i would be remiss i would be remiss if i did not shout out our fantastic patreon producer mr stephen keller should i be calling him sir stephen i always say mr stephen keller yeah i think he's he's deserving of the sir now i mean if you look if he's the patreon producer much longer we're gonna need a something bigger than that right like i don't know what's what's more formal sounding or like more one more nightly than sir commander general they didn't have generals in the night days but you get my idea steven has been supporting us for a while at the night level on our patreon which we have three tiers and as a result he gets this producer shout out every episode he gets input into the weekly game segment he gets the occasional guest spot on the show which is coming up soon and of course he gets access to the monthly secret segment and the vlog there is also a squire level of support which is one level lower gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog and the page level which gets you access to the monthly secret segment we are going to be recording our secret segment right after this episode and i think it's going to be a juicy one you're going to want to tune in for that if you can and the way you can do that is you can head over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast check out all of our tiers of support consider giving back to the show letting us keep do this thing that we love to do and uh say hi to steven and to us in the process so again that's patreon.com slash online warriors podcast Thanks again to Steven. We'll take a short break now and we'll come back to talk about the Xbox and Bethesda Developer Direct. This is The Gorge. It's a podcast where my friend Sarah and I gorge ourselves in overanalyzing a topic. The body count it's in su- this children's movie. It's insanely high. The reason he's able to be a good assassin is because no one would expect a gorilla to kill you. <laughs> I made the incredibly stupid decision to start Marble Hornets. And the robot says, I know where we can find your baby. It was stolen by Cap'n Crunch. He sounds like Chuck Huber. Yeah. How did you? No. I was going <laughs> to say that. The Gorge. Three times a month, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Xbox and Bethesda's Developer Direct. This happened last week. So this is not like a... Well, I guess it is a showcase. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's really like four games to talk about here. And in particular, there's two games that took up like more than half of what I watched. So I'm probably going to focus on the two of those. I will make mention of Hi-Fi Rush, which I thought looked very cool. I don't know if you guys watched the trailer for that That was actually the thing I was most excited about watching this entire showcase thing. I thought this was something that it was not leaked. Like, I know, I think they said, like, there was a leak on Twitter that Tango Gameworks was going to show something, but, like, the game itself wasn't truly leaked. And 
I really enjoyed everything about this. Like the art style looked really great. It throws me back to the good old days of like the PS2 and everything was like cell shaded goodness. And I, I love that stuff. I love I love the idea of, of rhythm games too. Yeah. Like the rhythm based combat I thought was pretty great. And I love the fact too that they said like if you suck at identifying rhythms, A, they had like tools to help you, but also like it wouldn't hinder you. Like being on rhythm would only help your attacks, but it wouldn't like hone you into like not being able to make moves or dodge or whatever. Right. And I really like right. that. And it's like the other thing about it that I definitely noticed, because we talked about a game somewhat recently. I can't remember, like maybe it was like last E3 or something. So not that recently, but there was a game similar to this that was an indie game that the songs that they had were not like the song that I was in the trailer. And I assume it's going to be a song in the game. I recognize the song. Like it's having, you know, this was presumably this has a little bit more money behind it and it still felt kind of indie to me but i think it probably has more more polish and you know more assets than oh yeah they showed a list of artists that are that are featured in the game so it's going to be a hundred percent you know these artists and you're gonna know these songs and that's that's it's gonna make it better for sure one of the interesting things too is like tango gameworks i don't know if you guys noticed all of the different titles that you know, scrolled past the screen that they worked on, but they worked on stuff like The Evil Within, The Evil Within yeah. 2. Um, I did a, notice that. And um, Ghostwire Tokyo. And those are very like spooky, scary games. And I always find it really exciting to see a studio deviate so drastically from their norm really and come up with something. Yeah, it's diversifying their portfolio, but also complete like... Complete heel turn. Yeah, complete heel turn. Completely something you wouldn't expect. And I feel like that kind of innovation can only come when a, a studio is willing to do something drastically different than what they've done before. And I think maybe, and I could be totally off base, but because this is a Game Pass game, I wonder if this is one of those things where it wouldn't have been possible without Game Pass, because I don't know if I would have necessarily, like, it looks really cool, and I probably would have waited for it to go on sale and picked it up at some point. Yeah, but the it's fact It's not a $70 that, game. Right. Right. And, like, I wonder... If this game would have gotten made without the assurance that, I mean, I know they're a Microsoft-owned studio, but would they have gotten that budget if it wasn't a day one game pass and something that during this sort of, you know, reveal, they can say, hey, this is available now. It looks fun. If you have game pass, go play it right now. And I know on Twitter and stuff, I saw a lot of people went and they played it the night of the showcase. And I think that's yeah. something that maybe doesn't happen if Game Pass or these services don't exist. I love, and Nintendo does that a lot, by the way. I love when they're like, here's this game that you hadn't heard of. Oh, it's out right now. I just think that's the greatest thing ever. Did anyone else get Sunset Overdrive vibes from this game? Yes. Yes. Okay. Definitely. It, yeah. it hit me right in the feels right there. So, and I agree with you, Nerd Bomber, that this being a Game Pass game, making it so much more accessible, not only does it make sure that everyone plays it, but now they're able to very quickly get feedback on hey we tried this new thing are people into it without people being hesitant with with the 70 dollars price tag so they'll very quickly know if this type of pivot was a good move or not this is one to kind of segue into the other titles too like i will say as a as a ps5 boy i know at one point we kind of directly compared an xbox showcase with a playstation showcase and this this would have been a two years ago or something you guys might remember and redfall was in that showcase mm -hmm. and it was the only thing in the showcase where i was like oh that makes xbox look good and i remember thinking playstation won that showcase like it wasn't even close like I, i'm so happy to be a playstation boy this was a very strong showcase i thought everything like even forza which i really don't care about man did that look beautiful 
I've never really seen did. graphics that good. And, and, and you know, the, the content that we got there was really a deep dive into like, here's how we're making this. And granted, a lot of it is probably posturing, but they're saying like, we're using all these next gen assets and making like truly the best game we have made. And it's hard not to believe that because what they showed was really, really impressive. Well, I think so like Forza and even Elder Scrolls Online, I think one of the things that they did for both of these games was they also kind of presented a reason because like these franchises have existed. You know, these are both not new IPs. And I think they really gave people who haven't dipped their toes a reason to want to. So like with Forza, I noticed and they kind of just threw this in as like a side statement. And I feel like they probably should have put a little bit more emphasis on it. But most of the Forza games, like they're driving sims. There's really unless you get in like the arcadey ones like there's really not a story or anything you're just there you're racing that's it and they said they're adding an all-new single-player career mode and to me i thought that needed a little bit more attention because i mean now i have a racing wheel so i'm a little bit more like my antennas go up a little bit more when i see racing stuff but like i think that's really important because that's the kind of stuff like i'm going to gravitate naturally towards a need for speed that has a story because that's just the kind of player that I am and now you know this might give me an into Forza and I think they kind of did the same thing with Elder Scrolls Online like I you know all of these persistent online games I'm always like oh well this has existed for so long like I have no interest in starting over you know trying to figure out what's going on right. but i think they did a really good job with this saying hey you know if you've never played this before like you can basically approach this the same way that you would approach skyrim where you know you can single player this you can multiplayer this but there's stories it's not just this mmo where you're traipsing around the world kind of aimless like there are storylines and i gotta be honest and this is probably on me I didn't realize that about Elder Scrolls Online before. Like, I just thought that you made your character and then, like, there were just events and stuff. And it was a little bit more like, I don't know, like your World of Warcrafts, which I've never played either. Yeah, you just kind of kibitzed around and things happened. The really worth mentioning part about this announcement with respect to Elder Scrolls is that for a limited time, they're also allowing you to play through all the previous DLC for free. So you'll be able to really jump in and experience this and truly get a get a feel. If you haven't tried it, enjoyed it or anything yet, you'll really get the opportunity to jump right in and immerse yourself completely in what they have available. Yeah, it's it's definitely a good move to, to kind of get people into their ecosystem. Yeah, and, and in your bomber, I want to go circle back to the point you made about Forza career mode, because like you said, that was a... It wasn't even a bullet point. It was like they said it offhand very casually and moved on. And, you know, story in racing games in general is a very interesting concept because when you go into a racing game, you know what you're going to be doing at all times. It's going to be racing cars. So like this quote unquote story, like it doesn't have to, it's not a big lift to create a story for Forza. Something needs to be contrived very quickly and it needs to have a vague, it needs to give you basically a vague overarching goal, but it's not hard to do. And yet it's going to add so much to this experience, I think. And, and, and they probably realize that. Well, it's kind of like in like Madden, when you have like be a career and like they added a story, there's cutscenes in between football games and like not every between like every single football game, but like at points when you're playing through the season, you know, they give you cutscenes and like motivation to keep playing. That's not just I'm going to keep playing so I can win that I feel like makes it the experience is a little bit more engaging. Yeah, completely agreed. And that, yeah, it's another good parallel. I think like the Madden story and racing, like Need for Speed Most Wanted, my, one of my favorite games ever. Like the story is very bare bones, but it's there. Just the fact that it's there is, is what makes it important. Circling over to Redfall, 
to me this was the most like there was legitimate jealousy here from again not having an xbox and not being able to participate in this one i loved almost everything about this almost everything that i saw and and the depth of the dive that that we took into it i think was really cool they showed us a lot of cool features and it was giving me you know it gave me left for dead vibes in a way that i absolutely left for dead vibes but also, so like one of the things that I've been concerned about was that it was a little bit left for Deddy in that, you know, we saw what happened with Back for Blood. It was supposed to be like the reincarnation of Left for Dead and there wasn't a huge player base. And I don't know the state of the game now, but like I feel like you could pop in and there wouldn't be a huge player base to play with. And I think it kind of tanked a little bit. And so I was a little concerned about this because anytime you have an online squad based game, like it could go really well or it could go really poorly. And while they did showcase the fact that you can play with a squad and everybody will have different builds of characters, even within like the same character type, you can build them out different yeah, ways. The skill tree definitely sets it apart. Like that is cool, but also they made sure to let you know you can approach this completely as a single player and you're going to get the same story experience. And that made me happy as well. One other thing that I wanted to say, and I so before the show, I had said to Illegal that I'm going to mention something when we get to the showcase, and it's specific to this game. So he had said, and I'm going to call you out, he had said that he has gotten worse at video games. And so I just want to say, this is why I'm glad you're not on the Xbox ecosystem, because Nerd Bomber and I are going to be playing this, and we don't need the dead weight. Wow. You don't need me slowing you down. Yeah, wow. no, the, hey, the, hey, that's a completely fair. I w- So I was, and we'll get more to my what are you up to Wednesday. We'll get to what I'm playing. But like, I'm playing a game right now that I'm... I have some previous context with it and I'm like, I'm playing through very much the same experience and I'm like, I've gotten notably worse than like the last time I played it, which granted was like 10 years ago that I played the game last, but that's a fair shot. Yeah, I, I think like this game, I just, yeah, like you said, the skill trees is a super important thing because Left 4 Dead, I love Left 4 Dead. Left 4 Dead never really had that, right? Left 4 Dead was a very bare bones experience. It was, I think it had a cool squad based mentality and, and you know there's the safe houses and everything there's a lot of elements that it feels like have been pulled directly from that but they've added so much more and, and you know and also for it's where vampires have always been very what's the word i'm looking for persistent in monster history viscerally scary to me like in terms of the classic scary things they're like probably the most scary thing to me they're quick to this day and they're dark and they're oh yeah i couldn't agree more there are a lot of things i i i when i was a kid i had a lot of nightmares about vampires i haven't lately when i was a kid i was obsessed with them i wanted to be them for halloween all the time we were kind of opposites i guess (laughs) so i I think it's cool that it's you know it's going to dig into some of that lore i also think did you guys watch um because i had this thought when i was watching all this content for redfall did you watch what is the name of the netflix show that was about vampires that was awesome but it was on it takes place on an island so very similar sort of setup uh it was called midnight mass that's what it's called oh yeah we did not watch that was that a show or a movie it was a show and it was took place on like a new england island that be- essentially became over with vampires so alert, kind of but it's been out that for a was time. on new england like in the new england area as well like is massachusetts yes. slash new england known for vampire stuff like, is this something that, like, lore in I don't know. the New England area that I'm not aware of? It might be because of, like, the whole Salem thing, but those are witches. But, yeah, it's a very witches. different deal. I don't really know. It's a really good question. Somebody yeah, who I was really know, let us know, because I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. What's the deal with vampire stuff up in, in New England, in the New England area? What's what's the, what's going on up there? Let us know. But yeah, I was, I was just, I was very taken in with everything that I saw from Redfall. And again, it's going to be very, very jealous. There is one other game, too, that I want to make sure that we mentioned, and that's Minecraft Legends. This game, and this is this is so important, and I don't think they even realize the level of importance 
of this game to families and bridging the gap between, say, like their parents and their kids. So there is a lot of people that I know that their their kids are super into Minecraft and they have no idea. They don't get it. They don't understand it, whatever. They just do their own thing. But those same parents are the parents that grew up on computer games, the ones that, you know, they played like civilizations and things like that, that are this massive, you know, you set up your base, you battle, you you try to take them out, you try to defend your base, etc. And this game is going to finally be able to bring those together and you'll be able to play together. It, it provides both of those genres in a passion and in a way that'll be able to bring families together. Guys, this is, this is wholesome and wonderful. Well, I think this is also just very smart from the fact that like I never got into Minecraft and like I'm someone I need goals and I understand Minecraft has some kind of story mode, but like it's a little bit too open ended for me. I'm just that's not me. Maybe I'm just too old, but like I also don't like get, giving like a blank slate of Legos and be like build something. I'm like, no. I don't want to do yeah. that. Like, <laughs> when you, you were you were talking about this with kind of with Forza too, of like you need some sort of narrative trappings and like you know, Minecraft certainly has a, has story mode prior to this. For, for, for what I will add to this, like Minecraft content always just kind of washes over my eyeballs. I really don't have much interest in it. But like, if this becomes like a competitive sort of like, it almost gave me esports vibes when they were describing how you know there are team tactical approaches. And I feel like that's a smart step because like you, I like Minecraft stuff just kind of goes one ear and out the other, but this kind of caught my attention a little bit. It's I, I think Minecraft is very interesting in the sense of like, <laughs> this trailer had like very sweeping epic music and like, I think was taking itself very seriously and it's blocks, it's pixels. Like I, it's, I think there, again, you, we've just, we've, we've established on this show that I'm a very graphics focused person and like go back in time to uh the original metroid games and tell that to yourself back in the day minecraft has a place in the gaming atmosphere certainly obviously gaming universe but like it is not like quote-unquote epic and i think if they're trying to make themselves epic they're like it's not the right move they're 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 a, a playground and I, and a very good one i'm not I'm, but that's why know, this minecraft works right you're you're building your base from scratch and things like that so like and and me personally growing up i played impossible creatures which is the same style of game you build your base you, you make you build your army you set them off but you have to defend i think this is taking that genre to, to the next level and it, i think it's going to be just wildly successful we'll check back in on that i think you're probably right i mean minecraft is you know pretty well established ip i think the base building thing is a pretty good avenue for them to go down i'm not saying that i'm just saying i have no interest in it it's really 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 what i'm getting at uh, but that comes out April 18th. So again, very soon. I should have mentioned with Redfall too, we got a May 2nd release date, which we did not previously know. I don't know if they mentioned Forza's release date. It just says sometime in 2023 is what I'm reading. And as again, again Hi-Fi Rush is out now if you're interested in that. So uh, yeah, you guys can let us know what we missed or didn't cover enough in the Xbox and Bethesda Developer Direct. But for now, we're going to move on to what are you up to Wednesday? And I what will swing it over to, to Nerdbomber. Hit us, hit us with the jingle and hit us with your what you up to's. So I think the biggest thing is, first of all, I finished a book. I finished the book Electra, which is a Greek kind of mythology retelling by Jennifer Saint. And I am just, I'm down with the Greek retellings and any kind of like mythological retelling. And I don't know if it's because, you know, I, I just finished God of War. And every time I finish a God of War game, I'm like, give me all of the mythology right now, just inject it in my veins. 
or if it's just like really interesting to me. I don't know. But I thought it was a really good book. And one of the interesting things that she does is, you know, we always see the the Greek mythology tellings from like this, I guess, the point of view of the hero, like everything's focused on the hero. And what she does in she's got two books out now, both Greek mythology retellings, and she kind of focuses on the more tertiary characters, often like the women who are kind of in the orbit of these heroes that we've heard about and how, you know, their lives are impacted and affected by the events that are going on in all of the like mythological, like big tales. So that was really cool. And uh, we also binge watched and finished The White Lotus. So we had finished, I, I can't remember if we talked about season one last week, but we basically binged both seasons and they were very, very good. I really like that they were basically kind of like murder mysteries, but you get a whole season following more or less regular people. Well, they're like very wealthy, regular people and just like their day-to-day activities to try to figure out how everything links together to... I guess, the final death that is revealed at the end. I I just found it really interesting. A lot of people found it really interesting. And uh, it's just kind of neat to like piece together after each episode who you think is the one that died and why, because all of the different, you know, there's I think like three or four different either families or couples that are followed throughout each season. And each season has a different location and different couples that are followed. So it's just like fun little murder mystery type show. I liked it. I publicly enjoy murder mysteries. And I think White Lotus in particular, and to be clear, I have not watched a whole lot of it. I know the gist of it. And I actually know the ends of both seasons because uh, my wife is big into it. But like, I love the idea of the murder mystery where it starts with basically someone died because and you don't then you're not only trying to find out who committed a murder, but you're also trying to find out who gets murdered. And I just think that adds another fold that's very interesting. I also saw a tweet that I want to draw attention to, even though I don't know who tweeted it, uh, that basically the, the like the Knives Out franchise and White Lotus are going to be racing to see who can claim the location of Ski Lodge first, <laughs> because I think that is probably going to be like they went to they went tropical. They went to Italy. They're going to be doing something else in the next season. And I'm sure this show is going to have like five or six seasons at least. And, you know, I think it should. It's a very good idea. And I think the other interesting thing, too, and I don't know if they'll carry it forward, but I hope they do. But like between season one and season two, there was a character who I won't name for obvious spoiler reasons, who basically was the link between seasons. And I really want to know if they're going to carry that forward and every season kind of have that character, a character link forward into the next one. So that there's kind of like they're all separate, but subtly tied together other than just like the hotel chain. Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, yeah, this show's going to have a long life. And I, I agree. That's an interesting question. Should that is it just going to be one carry over each season? You know, like it's it's yeah, there's questions to be answered there. I wonder if Mike White has thought about it, which instantly Mike White, the creator of that show, he was also on Survivor. And do you guys know about Mike White? Do you know what else he did? No, he is um, Ned Schneebly from School of Rock. Really? <laughs> yeah. Not joking. You can look it up. Yeah. yeah so, I know shout this, out is, to Ned Schneebly. this is an offshoot. I saw this, I think it was like a meme or something, but that School of Rock was actually a very wholesome show. Like just the fact that he empowered- That was a great movie. Like all of those kids, it didn't matter like what they wanted to do, what their role was, what they looked like, what their skill level was. Like he, Jack Black basically spent that entire movie, his character, enabling all of those kids. And that's such a wholesome way to look at that movie. I like it. School of Rock, you know, if, you haven't, if you're listening and you haven't watched School of Rock, just pause- just pause right now and go watch it. It's so wholesome. It's not, I like I want to call it a guilty pleasure, but it's not. It's there's nothing guilty about it. It's just good. It's Genuinely just a, classic, a good, good movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, and watch it with the kids. They'll love it. Family friendly. 
crowd-pleasing movie, which is feeling rarer and rarer these days. Cool. I'm going to go next. I'm going to split you guys up because usually I have you guys go back to back, but we're going to shake things up. We keep it fresh sandwich. here at the Online Warriors. I have one thing and one thing only to mention, which is that I, I did something I have not done. And I talked about it last week, so it shouldn't come as any surprise. I did something I have not done. I don't remember the last time I went out and bought a game essentially on release day for full price. It's been a long, long time since I've done that, but I did. And uh, that game was the Dead Space remake. And I, for those that don't know, I'm trying to think if I talked about it much on the podcast, but I was, I had many a sleepless night trying to determine whether I should buy the Dead Space remake or the Callisto Protocol, which is kind of the Dead Space successor. Well, the reviews of Callisto Protocol have not been amazing. And granted, the price of that game has already dropped pretty significantly, which is kind of to its credit and made me want to buy it. But I wound up, after all the great reviews for the remake for Dead Space came pouring in, I wound up buying that one, again, full price. Uh, I actually had kind of a hard time getting it because I didn't pre-order it, but I did get it. And I've put in a couple hours so far. And look, I have nothing bad to say about it. Like, I'm, I'm so immensely pleased with both the remaster quality that they've introduced, which I was expecting, but also the... The, the elements that have been changed and added, my experience thus far is that they have been added and added slash changed in a very, very thoughtful way. And in a way that is designed to address specific shortcomings from the first game, which I really appreciate because, you know, as, as much as I love one for one remasters and I would have loved a one for one Dead Space remaster, like I love the idea of like, well, while we're in here remastering this, why don't we also make it better i just i i so much appreciate that i want to also shout out in particular there's so many things i could i could speak to as far as what why the game is now better and why this is better than than the the original but i want to draw specific attention to the the sound design and the audio quality so i i did make sure to start this game with headphones on and that's how i would be playing the entire game because it creates the immersive frankly often terrifying experience that they want you to have and i think it would be it would definitely be a little bit less powerful without that. And the sound design has been incredible. So I can't say enough good things about it. It is, I think, across the board getting very good reviews. I am already hoping, I would say desperately hoping, that the Dead Space 2 remaster comes along because Dead Space 2 is the best of the first three. And actually, there are certain things from Dead Space 2, certain features and additions that were added that they have now added to Dead Space 1, which is interesting. And I, I just think Dead Space 2, a remake of that would be chef's kiss so to speak so i'll be continuing to play dead space and i'm sure i'm gonna have nothing but a good time so just next week i'm sure you're gonna hear like i'm still playing this and it's still amazing so just i don't know prepare yourself for that which means we'll swing it over to tactic to close us out tactic how's life okay so i only got one thing that's new and that is we watched the menu and i have oh, to you say you finally watched the menu yeah, yeah. go on tactic yeah, and i had different thoughts on this capital f fine eh not good not bad just middle of the road there's so many better things that I think are out there that I could have watched, and this was not one of them. I thought it was good, not great, but he came out of it originally saying that he thought it was very bad, and bad. I did not agree with that. It's definitely not bad. Like Good, good not great is a, is a very... Uh, my opinion is slightly above that, but I'm not saying it's like... I don't think it should win like a bunch of awards or anything. I just thought it was really fun. The message is nice that like... If you're if you're you're doing something that you loved that was your passion and it's just become about profit and you've lost sight of where the passion is, great. I think that's a great message, but like it was just like okay, like I love movies like that that there's a bunch of different characters and each character has I don't know, 5 to 10 lines 
you know, obviously there are certain exceptions like Anya Taylor-Joy's character, Ray Fine's character, you know, they had a, a, a pretty large amount of lines, but then there are other characters like, you know, the tech bros or the, sorry, the finance bros and like the older couple. And, you know, like there's a lot of characters who they maybe get five to 10 lines to tell their story. And we, it's, it's almost a little bit episodic where you're dealing with certain backstories at different times. And I think it's super, super interesting. I just thought it was really, really fun. I thought the performances were good, but yeah, it's, it's certainly not going to like win any awards. I don't think, but yeah, I, I definitely wasn't bad, but I think good, good and fine are both fine opinions. Anything else, Tactic? Quiz time. It's 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 time to uh, head o- head on over to, to Quiznos. Shout out to Quiznos. We're not actually going to Quiznos. That's just, I'm, it's quiz time. That's what I was getting at. Today's quiz topic is the boss. Bruce Springsteen. Guys, if you don't know, that's one of his nicknames is the boss. Actually, I think like his only nickname. So uh, full disclosure, I am not the biggest Bruce Springsteen fan in the world. So this is probably a good quiz for me to administer rather than be a part of. I don't know if you guys have a lot of exposure, but we'll, we'll get into it. I mean, I know Bruce Springsteen only like as a casual music listener would, you know, I'm not out here like collecting his albums and whatnot. Right. Well, I'm two and one. Nerd Bomber one and one. Technic one and two. So tactic you have a chance to kind of even the scales of justice here if, if you so desire and uh to give you an advantage we'll have nerd bomber go first i have five questions for me i do not have a tiebreaker don't make me f- go find one that's that's all i'm gonna say first question as, as as is often the case when i do questions it's very pedestrian how many studio albums has bruce springsteen released i feel like this is a lot maybe like six and if, i know six isn't a big number but i feel like that's a lot i'm gonna use it right away seven 21 so yeah bruce springsteen's been around for a while he's been active for six decades see i guess i figured uh, that he did like a true album every year but then like every now and then release like best hits nonsense the old best but, hits they um, tend to call those great, greatest hits whatever <laughs> okay so uh tactic on the board uses his plus one immediately one of my favorite bruce springsteen songs really probably my favorite one dancing in the dark now dancing in the dark had a music video that was uh, fairly well known for kickstarting the career of one Courtney Cox, who later went on, of course, to be on Friends and in the movie Scream and all that stuff. How many views does the Dancing in the Dark music video have on YouTube? This is this is two hundred million. That's excessive. I feel like I feel like it's not that much. I'll say one million, but I know it's higher than that. But I don't think it's two hundred million. It is higher than one million. Is also higher than two hundred million. It's two hundred and ninety-six million. Okay, uh, well, that, that was that was pretty good. That was a pretty good guess. You heard her tactic. Pretty good. You're up two nothing. So try and close it out here. Monmouth University in New Jersey is home to an archive of Bruce Springsteen artifacts, potentially because it's Bruce Springsteen's home state. Yeah, the, it's called the Bruce Springsteen Archives and Center for American Music, which, according to the website, serves as the official archival repository for Bruce Springsteen's p- written works, photographs, periodicals, and artifacts. How many pieces are in their collection? Which, by the way, can only be viewed by appointment. 69. Nice. One. Just to be clear, you said 69 and one? Yep. 35,000. So you guys were a little bit low. Are they collecting like it every tissue? It didn't matter ever what touched? she said. I was going to say one. Um, I don't know. They didn't say anything about tissues. So I don't know. But <clears throat> written works, photographs, periodicals, and artifacts. Artifacts is a pretty, pretty, pretty vague term, but I mean. Look, there's got to be more than 70 things of, of, of usefulness in, in, that have happened in Bruce Springsteen's life that have yielded some kind of thing. So, but you're on the board. Good gamesmanship. My favorite question that I came up with, uh, one of his best known songs 
Blinded by the Light. It is also his only number one hit on the Billboard Hot 100, but it only got there when a British band called Manfred Mann's Earth Band covered it. How many years after Springsteen originally released the song did it chart? This was a crazy amount of time. This was five years. Six. It was four years. So you were very close. Darn uh, it. But you busted. So Tectic still on top, two to one. I, I'm immediately fearing a tie. But we'll go into the last question. How many Grammys has the boss won? I feel like 31. 12. Tectic takes it home. 20 Grammys. Darn it. So it went too high. He's good, but he's not 30 Grammys good. Or 31 or whatever he said. Uh, so... Does anyone actually know the lyrics to Blinded by the Light? Like, I've, I sing it, but I'm always like, woke up like a douche in the middle of it's, the night. It's, woke I did up come like across a douche. Some, yeah, that's what I always thought I, the words I, were. I always thought it was revved up like a douche, but that doesn't make any sense either. Uh, I did actually come across this detail when I was doing some research for this quiz. It was actually a deuce, like a deuce coupe, which is a kind of car. A little deuce coupe is also a Beach Boys song. It wasn't revved up like a deuce, though. It was like... It was something else. I can't remember what it was. Basically, he's got terrible diction. That's the takeaway for me. Tactic moves to two and two. Nerd Bomber to one and two. So he leapfrogs her in the rankings. And Nerd Bomber, you are now in last place. So I don't know. Um, stick stick that in your pipe year. and smoke it. It's a long year. Use it, use it for, for, for motivation. We'll be bringing another quiz to the table next week. Tactic will be hosting. We'll be bringing more news next week as well. In the meantime, we thank you all for listening so much. We would invite you to head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review there. Hit up our Patreon, patreon.com slash online warriors podcast and find us on Twitter at online warriors one at OW lady six at OW tactic and at OW nerd bomber. And uh, until next week, stay safe and keep on podcasting. Thank you. Stay safe. Keep on podcasting. We'll see you next week.